I've hit record, so now everything is going to tape. But this is we haven't really started yet. So I could self-incriminate now, but not later. Yes, exactly. Oh. And um, we can just sort of exhale here at the beginning. This is fine. <laughs> I feel like I'm nervous about this. So that would, like in the context of a flute recital, um, yeah. <laughs> it might cause me to talk faster than normal. Okay. So I think it's going to be great. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of an untitled Three Rivers podcast featuring conversations with our students, faculty, and staff. My name is Andrew Marvin. I teach English at Three Rivers, and my guest today is Seamus Welsh. Shay is a student, a library enthusiast, an anxious academic, self-described, a Tycho competitor, a bookworm, and a beginning photographer. Shay, it's nice to see you. It's nice to see you. How was your summer? It was really busy. I took summer classes, so I didn't have a summer. How many summer classes did you take? I just took one. I don't know why I said that in a plural sense. <laughs> I took I took one summer classes. One is a lot of summer classes <laughs> like, because they're so condensed. Yeah, you're the worst uh, teacher I could be using the worst grammar in front of. I taught one summer class, and the number of classes you teach will take up the amount of time you have, I think, regardless, and I'm sure it's the same for you. Yeah, no, it was just one summer class, uh, and it was all I did until it was over. Yeah. Every single day. Right. I remember you saying that when I asked you to be on the show, that you were finishing yeah. up your summer class. Yeah. It was like working on it for like probably like two to six hours a day every day because there was um the, the schedule was crazy when I when the class first started and I saw the syllabus I genuinely considered dropping it because I didn't know if I could do it because there was a due date every single day with only like three days off for six wow. weeks and they weren't like tiny due dates but somehow I did it and I'm glad I got it out of the way because I would have had to do it eventually anyways yeah that's intense the summer is very condensed I only do deadlines like every two or three days so every day is a lot yeah but also to be fair the I think the assignments would have taken a lot of time even if it was not a summer class and I feel like those assignments would have been really hard to balance at the same time as any other class mm -hmm. so I'm glad I did it where that was the only homework I had to worry about yes yeah. I think that's a great perspective yeah. very cool I wanted to start by talking about summer because as we record this I think uh, there's like three days left in summer technically mm. And as an academic, I really f think about summer a lot because it has a very powerful presence, I feel like, in my life. And so I wanted to start by asking you what your relationship to summer as a student is like. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, this summer was the only summer I've taken a summer class. I didn't do that before. Um because it's hitting me a little bit that I've been here for a long time, and I'm going to be here for more time. <laughs> <laughs> Slow and steady. Yeah, I don't, uh, yeah. Well, I was doing a certificate, and now I'm doing an associate. So it's, I'm like the end of one and beginning another. So mm -hmm. let's do it all over again. Um, but before that, I mean, I really love finding events to do. Me and my fiance are always finding something to go do every weekend. So the summer is like I have to make the most of it 
and we try to go out and do something most days. Yes, I think that captures how a lot of people feel about the summer. Like, it's something that must be seized. Yes. <laughs> and it's the only season that ends, yeah. you know, because end of summer is just, you know, such a bittersweet time. But there's always this, like, expectation of... How can I make the most of it? And did I make the most of it? Yeah, I definitely have like big FOMO about missing events, even though it's not like I'm going to events with anyone else besides my fiance, but I'll find them on Facebook or on like Eventbrite or Patch, which is like a tiny little thing. And But there's always five going on in the same day and you can only pick one of them or maybe yes. two of them. So it's like um, I want to have a vacation, but I get stressed about the vacation and treat it the same way I would homework a little bit. It's like I've made a summer schedule and just instead of having homework to get done, I have like things to get done. Yes. They're fun things though. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing As for a professor. I think it's always, uh, you know, I'm finally going to get to all the things that I've had to put on the back burner yeah. during the school year. And then you try to find the motivation, but I think all of us, Teachers work so hard during the academic year, yeah. if I do say so myself, that it is kind of hard to not just collapse yeah. for three months. <laughs> and then do nothing. But I mean, I guess doing nothing is also a valuable way to spend time if right. you're always doing something. Yes. And I've tried this summer in retrospect now to look back on it and not feel super bad that I didn't get 50 million things done that I've been putting off yeah. because I really feel like summer is a struggle for me because I'm a structured sort of person mm. and all that free time seems great in theory but I think that this that is school year Mr. Marvin Andrew Marvin is the true Andrew Marvin well what is your structure outside of school I try to be diligent with my times like i've got a notebook over here where i structure most of my work days in terms of like where i block it out mm. you know so i've got class from here to here i've got a meeting from here to here that means i've got three hours how am i going to use that time and so mm. you know that sort of helps me to not have to in the moment be like okay what should i do right now until class yeah so it's just a little intentionality that i try to maintain and so you definitely don't have tiktok installed on your phone though. oh absolutely not <laughs> don't don't install it you can never get rid of it yeah <laughs> i don't keep this is not about me as you know but i don't keep social media apps on my phone those are all on my ipad really yeah because the oh. ipad is pure consumption and entertainment do you have tiktok on the ipad no <laughs> <laughs> what social media do you have on the ipad i just well since the demise of twitter um it still I exists. It still exists, but I don't know. I've re I really have mostly stopped using anything. I read Mastodon, which is a federated Twitter-like for nerds. What? Yes, exactly. What maybe is it? there aren't show notes yet, but maybe I'll put a link to Mastodon in the show notes okay. when there are show notes. And then, you know, I always try to grab my username, which I won't disclose here on the air, but I always try to grab my username on the new network so that oh. nobody else squats so are you on, on threads? it. Um, I'm not. I can't confirm or deny whether I'm on threads, but I've heard of it. I do have an Instagram account only because um, my fiance was like, I post pictures of us and you don't pictures of, post pictures of us. And I was like, you know, I don't have an Instagram. So I reactivated it just so I could post like three pictures of us a year and I don't open it. So I just, I can't, I can't go to threads. I can't do it. Okay. Yeah, there's 
pressure because if your people are in a certain place, you kind of want to be there too. Yeah. But Instagram makes me sad. I used to... Same. You know, that's why I don't really like it. Everybody's living their best life except for me. What? Yeah, but that's how everyone feels. So. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I, I am stuck know. in the big black hole of Twitter, though. Is that a new development or you're still there I'm as you... still hope? there. Okay. <laughs> no, that's where I'm like a little bit... I'm older than... I'm a non-traditional student. I'm not old, but I am older than most of the students. Um, so... They don't. They don't know, but we are the people that have always been on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Can't leave. I feel like Twitter today is people that are like between the age of like twenty four and thirty six, and we're all like, "I hate it here," <laughs> and um, <laughs> but we just keep coming back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Again, it's. I think it's where your people are, because. But now there's Blue Sky and Threads and Mastodon and stuff. Um, the so Truth Social one. Uh, I'm not familiar with that. Oh, is that... don't become familiar. With... That's the Trump one. That's where Trump is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not familiar with, with who Trump is, but... Um... Who's that? <laughs> exactly. Moving on. I've never heard of that person. Yeah. Um, we're off to a good start, I think. <laughs> on Twitter? <laughs> a Twitter? I mean, I don't know. People care about that. Okay. You know? But so you generally have positive feelings about summer. Yeah. That's good. I think so. It is like a time to breathe. I stress about um, school a lot like uh, probably more than i should mm. i'll stress about things even if it's like a subject i'm good at i'm like it everything feels like end of the world stakes all of the time um so then summer is finally like there's nothing due except for this most recent summer but also photography was really fun yes. so it was like it was a very stressful class but i i also really did enjoy it um and it was really intense as a summer class but i think the intensity kind of forced me to improve really rapidly so like my photography i submitted on day one and my photography i submitted at the very end of it was like i at least i think like leaps and bounds apart so it definitely was worth it that's excellent yeah. i wouldn't have guessed that photography was the super strenuous summer course that you were describing earlier yeah it's oh yeah i didn't even say what it was it was it was digital photography with kevin amenta and um it's just he's a really good teacher because he really he definitely really knows what he's doing mm -hmm. um and like he has a, a super large body of impressive work to to prove what he, he knows what he's talking about um it's just the assignments are really time consuming and sometimes like there was only one assignment that i submitted incomplete because there was all of a sudden a thunderstorm and the camera doesn't do well in a thunderstorm so it's also like a lot of planning ahead of when am I going to be able to do this? And you have to go out to different locations to shoot different things and trying to find them. Um, so it just takes a lot of time. And then, I mean, Photoshop is, is time consuming. All of a sudden, you've been working on one picture for like three hours, but I have to submit 30. So maybe I should move on uh, every day. Yeah. 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 Photoshop is a super heavy program that I've only very briefly dabbled in in some class that I don't even remember. From oh, I college. love it, but it's yeah. a lot. I wish because I feel like it's a great thing to have some ownership of. Yeah, it's I, I always I started using Photoshop in um, like 10th grade. So that was in 2015. Um, and I really loved it back then. I used to focus more on like digital art. Uh, and then I kind of just fell off of it as I did other things for a long time. So digital photography was getting back in there and I was definitely rusty and also photoshop has changed a lot since yeah. then um 
but I I started to pick it up quickly because I had already had some familiarity with the program. I do think that the digital photography course would be like, I think I probably would have dropped it if I hadn't used Photoshop before. Because I think like learning photography and Photoshop at the same time is kind of a lot. I feel like you have to kind of come into that class with at least some understanding of Photoshop out the gate. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. I might have to uh, call upon you to come up with artwork for this show then. Oh boy. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Did you, um, was there one or two or three like gems of information from Professor Amenta's class about photography that you could share with the listeners, not to spoil his enrollment, but. <laughs> no. um, then I get an email from him of like, I heard what you said. Um, <laughs> I mean, as we were talking before we recorded about reading the manual for this, I mean, that that is like the number one gen of photography is read your camera's manual, which is mm. like not not a fun hint, but a lot of questions in the class about your camera. He's, he like wouldn't answer because he's like, I can't answer that because everyone has a different camera. Because they don't make you buy like a specific one. It's just a DSLR. Um, and they're all pretty different, especially like they'll call, they'll call settings different things or the buttons are in different places or they like literally just work different. Um, pretty much any question you have can be answered in the manual. But I took the same approach with photography that I do with most classes, which were is if something doesn't make sense to me, um, someone out there in the world can explain it to me in a way that does. Yes. So I will like put it into YouTube and then watch like 10 different videos on the same topic from different people because one of them will make sense. Or like, and in photography and Photoshop in general, well, I guess this applies to photography because it applies to Photoshop. If you ask, how do I do insert thing here? There's always like 10 different answers in Photoshop. There's a lot of different ways you can do things. Um, so also, like, if, if the way the teacher is telling you to do something is, like, just not jiving with you, just do it a different way. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's where I'm like, don't tell Kevin Amenta I said that. But, like, one time I just didn't want to do the black and white. So maybe the whole photo was just desaturated and not right. technically black and white. <laughs> but it's fine. Yeah. Because I, I still got an A at the end. Right. There you go. Congratulations <laughs> on the A. What I love about that takeaway is that it's not photography specific. Like, I was expecting yeah. you to talk about the rule of threes or oh. always have your grid lines turned on on your phone or something like that. I mean, the harsh opposing lines are one of my favorite things. Mm. So I, well, cause I feel like you got to like learn how to follow the rule of threes and then, then break it because everything's a lot more fun. It's like grammar too. You know, you learn how to do proper grammar. And then if you want to go into like poetry specifically, a lot of the fun with it becomes breaking the grammar. Yes. And I feel like photography is the same way. You got You definitely have to learn the fundamentals and like do things the right way. Um, but by the, I think the class is really structured well in that too, where a lot of the assignments at the beginning are just forcing you to do things kind of by the book. And then the end assignments are very much so like, okay, now do whatever you want. I mean, as within reason, but um, like one of the final assignments was to pick a photographer you like and do like a little essay write up about who is this person. But then we had to have seven of their photos of the famous photographer and then do seven of ours and try to emulate their work. Mm. And I went into toy photography. So that was really fun. Um, and I was focusing on like practical effects. I covered my computer desk in dirt and then put some matches uh on fire in like toy dinosaur mouths and it was like this is what killed the dinosaurs that's cool yeah 
Don't smoke. No, but I do love that takeaway because I think about it a lot too in terms of, you know, not knowing how to do something I think is a source of stress. And I've been trying to remind myself more lately to find the helpful people. Yeah. You know, and certainly not every teacher is for everybody. But yeah, you just once you find the helpful people, it's such a relief. Like, oh, oh, thank goodness I found you and you can help me. And now I feel better. Yeah. Or even sometimes if if you're just watching different videos of people explaining different things, even if the way that they've shown you of like, this is how I do a sepia in Photoshop, because that's definitely one thing that you could do like five different ways. If you want to make something sepia tone, there's like a bunch of ways to do it. Um, Even if you don't really like the way that they're doing it, I still think it's helpful to learn different ways and have different people's perspectives on how to achieve different like artistic results because maybe you're not going to use it in general but it might be fun to throw that effect on top of something else later yes and you still get exposure to different areas of the program and different skills or even just different ways of seeing the world with your camera yeah that's why i'm always a little bit guilty about you know students take english 1010 with me and then come back for english 1020 which i super appreciate but i also feel a little bit like it is important to get more than the mr marvin perspective i talk about that with people all the time where that's why i say i like math more than english because when you get in a 100 on a quiz in math you know that every single teacher would give you that 100 on the quiz in math and when I get a 100 on a paper, that's a great feeling. I put a lot of work into it. I'm really like proud of the result. But I, it's always in the back of my mind of maybe at this point, I've just built up a good enough rapport that I can get away with writing subpar work in another teacher. If this was the first essay of mine that they read, they would give it a C and walk away. Mm. You know? Yeah. So I took you with both classes. And if I had to take another English class, I'd probably take you again. Well, I appreciate that. That was not shots fired at you specifically. But I'm glad you brought up your papers because I did want to talk about those. Because you did take English, formerly known as English 101 and English 102. And 101 was online, right? Yeah, it was my first ever college class. Wow. Look at that. Technically, I went to college for three months in 2017. But I don't really remember it so well. So Mm -hmm. this time around, it was my first one. And then we did 102 in person. Yeah, like two years later. So what I wanted to ask you specifically in thinking about having Shay on for episode one is how do you, because you've, you've written some of the memorable papers that oh, I've thanks. read and I've read many papers um, and some of them stick with you. And I'm wondering, what can you tell us about your thought process? What are you trying to achieve? Because I feel like what you've produced for me, at least, is really sort of... Um, demonstrative of of what is possible with analyzing literature or writing argumentative stuff in uh in 101 in a way that i don't typically see well what do you typically see well i just mean your papers i feel like were um you know exceeded my expectations it wasn't just we should legalize weed. And let me tell you about how abortion rights are important. And all that stuff is important. But you're, I mean, maybe just starting with the topics to address the assignment, I feel like the topics themselves were out of the box. Like Mm. the, what you did for 101, your final paper was about... Mukbangs? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. competitive food eating competitions. Oh, so that paper specifically about, so we just had to write a research paper about something. Um, And that... That really is the reason why I took you again for 102 was your um, allowing us to 
kind of just write a paper about something. I mean, it was like each paper had to achieve a certain skill, but the topic could be up to us as long as we defended it well enough to like make it worthy of, of your time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was so stressed about what I would write for the research paper. I remember I was talking to my now fiance about like, what can I even write that much about? Because it was the longest paper I'd written in a while. I've been out of school working for a while, so I felt pretty rusty still. And he was just like, well, what do you know a lot about? And that's something I know a lot about is mukbangs. And so I figured, why not? Um, I also, when I come up with essay topics, I do try to keep in mind that you've taught this class many times now, and you've given out this essay assignment many times now. And I don't want to give my teacher a paper that he's probably read like 50 times. That also makes me worried that I'm going to get a bad grade on it because I don't know. I feel like if I was a teacher and I got kind of and I'm teaching trifles and then I get a lot of papers that are like in trifles, the women stay in the kitchen the whole time. And that means that's where the men say they should be the end. Spoilers for trifles. Yeah, spoilers for trifles. They stay in the kitchen the whole time. But I feel like it's it's not going to have any even if to me as like a first time reader of the story and thinking about it even if to me I'm like wow that's blowing my mind right now I feel like at a certain point it might lose its novelty to the teacher who's read it 50 times so I'm also kind of thinking about like what's something I can say about this that maybe hasn't been said Mm -hmm. yet um a lot of what I think about papers came from the text from 101 they say I say so I I read the whole book outside of the assigned chapters and a lot of it that that is a lot that book is a lot of how I think about writing now in terms of what can I contribute to a conversation that maybe hasn't already been said. And if I'm writing a paper that I know has been written a million times, it's hard for me to finish it or really care about it because why would I spend so much time saying something that someone else has already spent a lot of time saying? Yes. Thank you for for being one of the papers that doesn't just repeat repeat things. Um, I do feel a little bit guilty about because you're 100% correct that I give my students virtually 100% freedom when it comes to topic selection, because I think that's an important part of the writing process is figuring out what you think about what you care about and what you have to say about it. Yeah. And, you know, what I want, ideally, is the kinds of things like you and other students have given me where it's like, you know, you really put some time into it. Um, I do think it's it makes it more difficult for some students to have that freedom of choice because yeah. it does lead to paralysis. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think a lot of it also just comes like the comfortability with that amount of choice. I think probably just comes with the fact that I have had more experience writing. I went to the Greater Hartford Academy of the Arts for high school and um, I did music at first, but I, I switched into the creative writing department, which doesn't exist anymore. Isn't that so tragic? Devastating. They put all the budget into musical theater and got rid of us. Oh, well, musical theater is good, too. That is good, too. But I can't. They just music creative writing just isn't a department anymore, mm. um, which is, I think is very tragic. But so I've also just been more lucky to have the opportunity that I've had a lot of teachers in different like. So a lot of my classes in high school were pretty like hipstery art classes about writing. Like I had like five different writing classes instead of one English and then math and science and stuff. It also means I know like nothing about science, but you know, it's fine. I min maxed myself, but (laughs) that's how I feel. But I just think I've, I've had a lot of, I think I just had a lot, I've had a lot of good teachers that have, I think I've had teachers that think about 
writing and analyzing literature in kind of eccentric ways. And I think that's rubbed off on me over yeah. the years. Very cool. I think the teacher makes a big difference to the yeah the whole experience. For sure. Um, I do wonder, maybe literature would be a better place to give because I'm doing 102, 1020 now online, you know, and I have students that are like, I don't know what our paper is supposed to be about. Mm. And I'm like, well, what are you into <laughs> with yeah. regard to the things that we've read? Um so yeah, I know I know some of my colleagues in the department, you know, will have a, a selection of prepared topics, um, but also give students the freedom to do whatever they want. I yeah. just feel like that would lead to a lot of the the topic of least resistance, like you said, with yeah. trifles. I, I think it's um for me I have a really hard time I'll have a really hard time writing a paper if I don't care about it. Like if I'm bored with the assignment, it's probably not getting done. Um so I think it's also Thinking about papers not just as like a, I have to get this over with and get the grade and hand it in. I know a lot of people are not thrilled about writing essays, but trying to find a way to make the process of writing the essay enjoyable for yourself, I think that comes down to you You have to care about it. And if you're writing about something you don't care about just to get the grade, you're probably not going to get a good grade. So I also think your teacher can probably tell, like if you if you wrote this like five minutes before you handed it in, you don't believe in what you're saying i feel like it shows up in your writing or at least it shows up in my writing i think but i I also think about um writing essays a lot as if they are video essays that i would put out on youtube Mm, tell Um, me about that what does that mean so there's like a whole eh, emerging genre that came off of commentary videos on youtube that's video essays so people putting out like more long-form content about a whole variety of things and i really like some of these creators who make there's one called um her youtube channel is izzy with a bunch of z's at the end and she'll make like anywhere between like 30 and 90 minute videos about like internet culture she does a little she'll like She's like, let me tell you about the drama that went down on club penguin in 2008 and or something like that but um I think the way that these people make videos about things that they're passionate about, when you think about it, you're like, that, she just talked about something for like 60 minutes, which means the script she wrote for that video is a really long essay. And when I start thinking about assignments like that, it becomes easier to get them done. So instead of being like, oh my God, I'm just trying to get this paper done so I can get my A and move on to the next class and get my degree, it's more so of like, I have a captive audience and I get to make my teacher learn about mukbangs whether he wants to or not because <laughs> you have to read this paper because you made me write it. Yes. Um, and it's it's a lot more fun that way if you think about the paper as I, I get to tell somebody something that I like and they have to listen to it. Yes. Because I don't know if my fiance wants me to be like, let me tell you who Trisha Paytas is. What do you mean you don't know who Trisha Paytas is? She's so important to the history of mukbangs. Yeah. Um, but I can make Mr. Marvin learn about Trisha Paytas. I did put her in my citations. That was ridiculous. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, I do like that video essay approach because this is another thing I spent a lot of time thinking slash feeling bad about because, you know, a lot of composition studies are going multimodal, which means not just write a paper. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, I'm 36, but I feel like the older I get, the more I value just the writing process and how, you know, there's no substitute for taking messy, complicated uh, ideas and 
transforming them into concrete words, sentences, paragraphs that other people can understand and enjoy. Yeah. And, you know, reading and writing and, and thinking have been around for ever, literally. YouTube has been around for whoever, who knows how long. But I like how you pointed out that the person that does the video essay, because, again, there's amazing analysis. I mean, I can lose a lot of time on YouTube. Yeah. We talked about social media before we started recording. Uh, YouTube can be my is my wasteland of hours but i feel oh, like yeah. everything that i'm watching is delicious mm-hmm. um in terms of of its, it's value all bon appetit it's the only challenge it's the only channel i watch yeah and it knows what i like yeah the um, algorithm's pretty good yeah but the the point that you made about how that video essay has a huge script yeah. behind it it's like i don't think that person was trudging through the script like oh my god i just have to get this over with so i can get my internet aids they were doing it because it's something that they care about so it's like if i find something i care about then i could write a really long essay about it too probably Mm -hmm. and i think then the like length and page requirements become a lot less daunting if you enjoy what you're saying yes yeah finding a way in and finding a way to care about it i think is is in large part the whole battle yeah do you find because you mentioned uh, you also wanted me to introduce you as a bookworm which i think i said at the beginning of the show what role or relationship does reading play in your writing process or just, you know, even in your non-academic life? Oh, well, I don't think you can be a good writer unless you read. Mm. And maybe that's a hot take, but I don't think it's a hot take. I don't think so. I think that's true. I think it's true. pretty cool. Yeah. I think, um, I think your writing will kind of take on what you read, whether you want it to or not. Um, just because, you know, you'll be influenced by the styles of writing that you consume or you know if you read a lot of different things and you'll be exposed to a lot of different styles of writing and you might pick it up of like oh maybe that's something I could try um kind of like photography you know if you look at a lot of people's work and then you emulate it that's still not in like a copyright kind of way but you know if you emulate other people's work it can improve your own as you learn new skills and new ways of talking yeah I'm a big believer in write like you write like you talk write like you write like you talk. That's yes. not a good sentence not to a good not example. be able to say. <laughs> but um, when like the structure of my essays, I try to go in a very like linear kind of way. And so it's literally like the introduction is I'm introducing you to what I'm about to talk about, but not in an announcer voice kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the conclusion is the conclusion I have. So then all the body paragraphs have to be structured in a way of I have to introduce you and then guide you to my conclusion so here's how i got here so usually the the, like the body paragraphs kind of go in the same way of what order i research things in a little bit because that's how i got to the conclusion this then this then that and now all of a sudden here's the final big statement um how does my reading impact i don't know because i read a lot of graphic novels and i don't i don't make any graphic novels (laughs) do you have a reading practice uh, I read a lot now. Um, I did go through a spell. I, I read a ton as a kid and a ton in middle school and high school. And then I and I didn't read anything for like four years. It's time consuming and you can't yeah. really do anything else while you're yeah. doing it. And then I started reading again in 2020 like everybody else who reads. And, um, and then I just didn't stop because I was kind of like, oh, why did I stop doing this? I really like it. Why did I stop doing the things that I like? Um, I, I do have a Goodreads yearly challenge that I'm super ashamed to be so behind on right now because of the summer class. I got to read 30 books by the end of the year. 
But I did read three today. So Three books today. But they were graphic novels. Okay. That counts. But they count. And also a lot of my reading practice is like allowing myself to read whatever I want and it counts. So like people people yell a lot on those book book themed Facebook groups over whether or not you can put an audiobook you listen to in your Goodreads. I think you can. You mm. consumed the story. I put the I, I just finished listening to The Martian, which means I put it in my Goodreads that I read it. Yeah. And it was really good and I cried at the end. I hate that that's real. I really did. It was really good. But I do I try to read different things within reason (laughs) i don't want to like force myself to read something that really is not for me um i do try to focus on graphic novels about people i share nothing in common with Hmm. i don't know exactly how to describe that any way else because it doesn't necessarily have to be like a certain genre um but i like graphic novels specifically because they are visual so i want someone to tell me about their life or something that happened because in a graphic novel format they can also show me what happened um and i just think it makes you a better person to know Mm. about people that you share nothing in common with yeah i mean that's what i've especially this semester you know because we we have so much emphasis emphasis on diversity equity inclusion and i've really tried to make a point of it this semester to say that the strength of the class is what everybody brings to it. And oh, the yeah. purpose of going to college is to expose yourself, not just to ideas that you wouldn't have otherwise encountered, but people that you wouldn't have otherwise oh, especially encountered. especially here. We have like a super diverse population, I think. Yes. One of the great perks, I think, of yeah. a community college. Um, I'm listening to the audiobook of The Silmarillion. What is that? Uh, it's the sequel to The Lord of the Rings. Oh, gosh. No thoughts about that. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I hate the Lord of the Rings. Oh, okay. Well, we can wrap up. That's fine. <laughs> no, only because when I was a kid, we didn't have cable, but we had a lot of VHSs. And my older siblings, our half siblings, they would come, they would spend like every other weekend with us. And the Lord of the Rings was my older brother's favorite movies. And mm. we had them all on VHS. And he would just pick one of them and make me watch it with him every other weekend for like years. Uh, I can't. I've seen them so many times, and also I can't tell you anything about them because I think my brain at this point has just refused to retain any information about anything Tolkien or really anything high fantasy at this point. Can't even list five characters, but I've seen the movies many, many times, too many times. That's reasonable, I think. They're good movies. I've read The Hobbit is sort of my. um, I don't know what to read next, and uh, I'm too tired to pick or purchase something so i'll just start reading the hobbit again so you i read that a bunch the books sometimes only i don't know i've probably read the hobbit more because i remember reading that on the bus the school bus mm-hmm. uh as some form of child i don't typically reread books but i am rereading a lot of cormac mccarthy's novels right now because he just passed away a month or two ago i think mm. so um and those those are books that um reward like all good literature or whatever you like uh really rewards you know repeated uh yeah that is fair i don't reread books in general um my favorite book is the burn journal by brent runyon and i i've reread i've read that book many many times and i would reread it again it's Mm -hmm. been like two years since i read it so i should probably read it again my favorite book for a reason that's cool yeah it makes me cry every single time yeah yeah the burn journal and when there are show notes we'll put that in the show notes too oh yeah it's really heavy though yeah. It's really heavy. Um, it's about a man who had tried to kill himself by setting himself on fire. 
It's a it's a real story, and he didn't he didn't die. And then the whole book is about him. Everyone asking him, you know, like why did you do that? And he realized he didn't have an answer. And he's like, I don't know. I don't know why I did that. So the majority of the book is um, about him trying to figure out why did I do that and then kind of learning to want to live. And I just think it's I read it in sixth grade. I don't know why that was in my sixth grade library. It was kind of a lot for a sixth grader. But I do think like reading that book was like a thing that changed me as a person Mm -hmm. Um, and kind of like because I was in sixth grade so what I was like 11 or 12 and you know you're kind of forming opinions about the world and that book like formed a lot of my opinions of what I think about life and stuff so yeah, I, I reread that... it every couple of years to see how do I feel about it now being older since the first time I read it I was 11 so it hits it's a little different every time I read it yeah and so it was literally a formative book for you oh yeah and I think that's a great perk of rereading things is that you almost reread them as a different person Mm -hmm. and so if you're annotating like I always tell my students read and annotate then you can say what did my 21 year old self write in the margin when they read this scene and how do I feel about that now yeah and if you bought the book you can highlight in it Mm. that's like another thing people like are I'm in a lot of like Facebook groups about books and bookie Facebook group people love to argue about everything and it's kind of part of the fun of being in the group Um, but they will argue about whether you should annotate in a book if you bought it do whatever you want to it if it's from the library do not write in it yes yeah yeah Yes, I know students hesitate to mark things up because they want to sell stuff back to the bookstore and that They're kind of thing. They're going to give you like $10 for it. It's like yeah. GameStop. Yeah, 10 bucks is 10 bucks. But um, the libraries part is a great segue. Nice job because you <laughs> love libraries. I love them. What do you love about them? Everything about them. What's not to love? What's not to love? None <laughs> of it. All of it. I love it. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm doing the library science certificate program, if you couldn't tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is my last semester in it. I'm really sad that it's my last semester in it. I work in the Three Rivers Library, and I also have an internship at Groton Public Library right now, so I'm in a library most days. Wonderful. Um, I just think they're valuable places. I think the library is more than a place with books, especially now. Like the libraries, libraries in general, and I'm talking about public libraries kind of, um, libraries in general have been purposefully trying to shift their public perception from being seen as a place with books to being seen as a community center. Nice. So if you like connect with your public local library, whatever, whichever one that is, you'll find that they're doing things that aren't just books. Like there's always things going on. There's always events. Um, usually sometimes you can get like discounted like concert tickets from your library like the library is full of cool people we do cool things yes i agree it always um especially you know i wrote a lot of my master's thesis in the library um shout out to lucy robbins wells in newington connecticut um (laughs) but for now i still say and this might be a quote that i'm aping from somewhere but i always say when in doubt go to the library yeah Um, it's a great it's a great thing to say I think somebody else said it, so I won't take credit for it. But it just really feels like an oasis. I mean, there are public restrooms there. There are quiet, solitudinous spaces for people to do things. And I think, like you, that's a great point about the a place where there are a bunch of books versus a community space. Because even I, when I think of library, I think of old books in dust jackets. Um, But it's so much more than that and really is a safe space for everybody yeah and i think today like 
Everything's very expensive and everything costs money. And by everything that includes like being alive costs money. Because if you go out places and you hang out for too long without spending any money, now you're loitering. And it's like, I feel like the library is also one of the places that you can still exist in for free. So like, there's no, like when you come to the library and you don't work there, you're not called a, a customer. Like we never call library people customers. I mean, they're patrons only because we don't really know what else to call you. Um, also, the people who work in like a public library have passion for the community and do want to help you. Like if if someone needs help with something in the library, even if a librarian doesn't do that, they're also someone who will find it for you. Mm. So a lot of public library work is connecting people with resources. So like, just yesterday at, at Groton Public Library, what I what I did for most of my internship was help this lady get through her like insurance paperwork and then fax it over so she could figure it out. Like the library is genuinely a place you can go if you have a question that you can't really Google because that when people ask me, you're studying library science, what even is that? I don't still don't really know how to answer that question because it's a lot of things. It's kind of like that's the point is like being a little bit of a jack of all trades. But I think it's the it's like the art of finding answers. And I mean, one of my, one of the classes you take in Shredder Reference Services, which is like getting people answers, every week on top of assignments, the teacher would give us a question that you can't really Google easily. And then you'd have to answer it and also give sources that weren't, that didn't end in .com. So like the first question in the class was, a patron asks you, if I sell my house, will I sell, will I fall below the poverty line so that I can uh, get health insurance and pay off this bill? And like, it's a weird question, but those are kind of the problems you encounter in a library. So it's like, if you have questions or you just need a community resource, regardless of what it is, like there are people in the, the library that not only can help you, but have a specific passion for helping you. Right. And that goes back to what we were saying earlier about finding the helpful people. It's just like, oh, this yeah. is a building of, hel- of helpful people. Yeah. I almost feel like that's a good spot to end on. But I did want to talk to you about at least one more thing. Because when you filled out the uh, my podcast intake request form. Good uh, name. Which, thank you. Which helped me uh, kind of prepare some stuff to talk to you about in addition to the stuff that I already had in mind. Um, you mentioned in that form and earlier in our conversation you mentioned anxiety and whenever i see or hear somebody disclose that i'm always like yes one of my one of my (laughs) kindred yeah one of us because my relationship with anxiety has really blossomed in the past couple of years so (laughs) i know you mentioned your your academic anxiety is it mostly academic or does it infiltrate other aspects of your life as well oh i think it infiltrates everything i i would say that i am always worried about something unfortunately i don't like that that's true but it is like if it's not homework it's something else it's like there's always this anxiety building up of like oh god oh god oh god and it's like it feels like a deadline even if it's not a homework assignment and it's like the second i've relieved the stress and submitted the paper or something there's something else to worry about um i think my brain's like addicted to stress at this point you know there's like someone said we get addicted to cortisol releases and oh boy i'm one of those people i just I don't know. I also think I have mostly academic stress, especially because um, my family is not really a college family. No one in my family did that. Um, so when I did tell, I didn't even tell my mom I was like 
enrolling in college, I just one day was like, I have to go to school to get textbooks. And she was like, what are you talking about? And I said, I enrolled in college two months ago and it starts in a week. And she went, she went, wow, why? (laughs) In a very supportive way, but just like, we don't, we don't, I didn't think you were going to do that, but okay. Um, so it's, it's almost like everyone, everyone, I'm, I'm the one that's going to make it. So I really got to make it. And, um, like kind of, equating your self-worth with your grades is definitely a big thing for me. So it's like, I have never missed an assignment because I think it would like impact how I view myself as a person if I handed in an essay late, which is so dramatic. Um, But it is what it is. That's where I'm at now. Yeah. Well, technically my Nana did go to community college one time and she took arts classes for two years. And and then that's she just kept doing that. She just drew for two years and she still draws. That is not a diss against art students. No, she just didn't like continue. And she 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 admits that she kind of just did it because she wanted to draw for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. The equating your self worth to your grades thing is tricky business because oh yeah, it's on the one hand it's it's an external thing that you're allowing to define you, but at the same time, you're responsible for the grades that you get. Yeah, and then, and then, and then, you know, now my mom's very proud of me, so my mom tells everybody that I have a 4.0, and I do have one, and I feel like a walking, breathing, living 4.0, just 4.0 on two legs, um, which is like, and then other people are going to be like, oh, boo-hoo, you have a 4.0. I, that's, that's a very valid criticism of me. Like, I should shut up. Um, I kind of wish I had like a 3.8 or something just because when you have the 4.0, like every assignment feels like end of the world stakes. Everything is make or break. Yeah, there's nowhere to go but down from a 4.0. There's nowhere to go but down. I'm like, I couldn't have gotten like a B on my first class. That would have changed everything. Um, especially because I almost dropped out of high school, like got real close to it. Um, had like a meeting with my mom and my guidance counselor where they both agreed it was best for me to drop out. And then I was the only one that was like, wait a minute, <laughs> that sounds like a bad idea. And I like barely skirted by. So now doing well in in school is kind of foreign to me. So I feel like I gotta keep it going, you know? Yeah, But wow. so far I've kept it going. Yeah, and you, but you're almost done. No. With the certificate? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm almost done with the certificate, but last semester was when I like officially started pursuing an, an associate's degree. So I am finishing one thing and starting another one. So I will be here for more time. Well, we are glad to hear that, I think. I do like it here. It's a good place to be. Yeah. Best job I've ever had. I don't know what else I would be doing. So I, I, same. No, I, I achieved childhood dream of mine. Like you know when you're like, what do you want? What do you want to be when you grow up? I wanted to teach flute, and that's what I did. So in 2020, I at the very beginning of 2020, I had three jobs. I I worked in sales, and I also drove around to people's houses and taught flute lessons on the weekend. And then I also had another job where I did dog training. And then um, I like realized one day of like, oh no, I have achieved the job that childhood me wanted and I don't like it. And it was like, what do I do now? And then um, and then COVID made everything stop. Yes. And then when things started again, I just like could not, I had been working three jobs for 
a long time and I don't think I realized how tired I was until I stopped doing it and then I just like physically couldn't do three jobs again so I said I guess I'll go to school and see how that works out yeah I'm not and it's a been choice. working out yeah, yeah absolutely excellent thank you for sharing all of that um we didn't talk at all about the show and what's going on here so why are we here exactly why are we here so I wanted to if you'll indulge me about yeah. that Shay so my th- my thinking behind this, this is an idea that I've had to do this podcast for years. Because mm. um, I've been at the college for over 10 years now. And for quite a few of those years, particularly when driving here for some reason, probably because that's when I listen to my podcast that mm. I am fans of, um, I would always think that like I would like to talk to this person or that person or this person. And the fact that... Um, have you heard about this CT, CT State? We just became yeah. uh, one community college with 12 campuses. And one recurring uh, thought that I've heard during this transition is that how are we going to, you know, every campus has its unique culture. Oh, yeah. And so it just seemed like a good small way to kind of preserve the Three Rivers culture by documenting some conversations with our students, faculty, and staff. Yeah, I don't think it's possible for them to, like, erase the three hours culture just because the sweaters in the bookstore say something different. Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So that's kind of the the purpose behind it. My intention is to release an episode monthly uh, during the fall and spring semesters. So hopefully, if I get on track, you're going to be our September 2023 episode one. Oh, no. And then we'll have an October and a November episode and then come back in the spring for... It can only go up from here. Yeah. Season <laughs> one, no. Season one, part two in February, March, and April. Cool. But you'll, as you'll recall, at the beginning, I said an untitled Three Rivers podcast. That's not completely true because I have a title in mind, Oh. but I haven't spoken it aloud to anyone else. So... What I'd like to do is I would like to say my idea for the title. Uh-huh. I don't want you to respond immediately. I want to just I want us to just sit with it. Just sort of let it breathe for a second and then you can tell me what you think. Okay. And if you don't like it, we can start over. <laughs> we'll cut it all we'll out. We'll cut it out. And we'll do the whole thing again. <laughs> start from the beginning. <laughs> so, I want to call You ready? Mm-hmm. I want to call the podcast The Flow Down. What do you think of that? I'm sitting with it. Okay, sorry. You told me to sit with it. I did, but I didn't. This is dead air also. Okay. I think it's a great name. What do you like about it? Um, because we are three rivers. Exactly, yeah. right? So there's the river pun. Mm-hmm. All right, and what rhymes with flow down? Throw down. We're kind of <laughs> and throwing this is, down. This is the segment of the podcast where me and Mar- Mr. Marvin fight. And yes. You just, you just hear the noises. Exactly. Ruining all of this equipment. Um, but... You know, we're kind of throwing down in the sense of conversing, interacting, right? It also rhymes with slow down, you know, which is a positive thing. That's what I, that's what I had thought about originally. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. It just feels, it feels good. And I don't think. And I don't know what else you would call it. So. Yeah. I was thinking about like, you know, like off the record with Andrew Marvin or. I think there's so many podcasts that are called that. Yeah. Unedited. So just lower expectations, you know, about the audio quality. Yeah, I was like, that's just insulting yourself. But I think the flow down is pretty good. I might just use that. I think it's good. Okay. Thank you. 
I'll Otherwise, keep then thinking you have about to, it. Then you have to learn how to edit and cut that out if you don't call it that. <laughs> well, I'll just leave it. Or in. you definitely could just call it unedited and leave all of this in. Yeah, it'll probably yeah. <laughs> it'll probably just leave it in there. But I have to, you know, put this up, and there's got to be a title for it and that kind of thing. Okay, so before we wrap, Shay, one of the hallmarks of the show I intend is to do recommendations from the guests. So this is something that you have brought to our conversation, something that you think people should check out. This is not like your TikTok account, for example, but it could be a piece of media, could be a study strategy, could be student-centric, doesn't necessarily have to be, but something you think people should check out after they finish listening to this episode. Do you have a recommendation for our listeners? I do. My recommendation is to check out your local public library. Of course. Of course it is. <laughs> but specifically, I feel like there's one thing I always, t- when I talk to people about libraries, because I'll talk to anybody about a library, um, I always tell them about museum passes, and then no one knows about them, because they are kind of like on, they're like on purpose, not advertised super well, because they're expensive for libraries to have, but I think they should advertise them, because like, why do you pay for them if you don't have them? Um so every public library, at least in Connecticut, has a set of museum passes, which is paid for by like people who donate to the library called the Circle of Friends is what it's usually called. And different libraries have different sets. If you live in a town that has like more taxes, so in general, a wealthier town, you'll have more. Um, but you can go to the library and like ask them which museum passes they have, and they will give you a list of places you can go to for free just mm-hmm. because you went to the library, even if it's not your town's library, that that policy changes depending on libraries. But so, usually you have to go to the one that you pay your taxes to, to get yeah. the museum passes. But I think library cards are used statewide, right? Yep. Wherever you're... You can take a book out from, you just have to get your library card from the town in which you pay taxes and you can use it anywhere in the state. Or even your, if you don't want to drive over there, your library will get it shipped to there for you to pick up but um the museum pass is usually a physical card and you pick it up at the library and then you return it when you're done um some, most of the time they let you in for completely free i know mystic seaports 50 percent um but like my library has like the wadsworth museum for free the lyman yes. allen art museum florence griswold museum some uh, i know some places even have the dr seuss place up in massachusetts i don't even know how they did that mm-hmm. how that works policy wise um but just check it out. You can look on your library's website or you can call them. I think especially because the museum passes are a more expensive thing for libraries to offer, please use them. Utilize that resource, especially as broke college students that want to do something on the weekend and don't have money to pay to do something all the time. Sometimes like you have museum passes to really cool places and it's fun to go see things and do things for free. They're especially more fun when they're free. Yes, absolutely. Thank you very much Shay, for that recommendation. Go check out your local library. This episode is sponsored by your local library. Whichever one it is. Whichever one it is. Go there and relax and breathe easy. Shay, I can't thank you enough for being brave enough to be episode one i know i'm just not gonna think about it (laughs) (laughs) i was like no one will listen to it well yeah it is episode one so nobody's gonna hear this so i didn't i just i'm just gonna tell myself that no one no one listens to it are you gonna listen to it no okay well maybe i hate how my voice sounds so much so i think we talked about it before we started i think we both sound good Okay, thanks. You're welcome. Thank you very much for being here. If you enjoyed the show, please tell somebody else to listen to it. (laughs) Until next time, thanks. Bye.
You're just talking slower and slower. Am I? Can you tell? A little bit. Okay. I don't know. I mean, you're right here. If you can understand me, then the listener, I mean, they can use, you know, 0.9 speed or something. Yeah, I think it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) We'll fix it in post. We'll fix it in post.